gray coveralls and a feed cap worn backward over long hair. The kid knew his business, weighed the truck, helped guide it as Flood backed it through the elevator's 20-foot-high receiving doors. The fit was tight, with just enough room for a man to pass on either side. Flood watched in his rearview mirror until the kid waved at him to stop. The kid moved onto the dump grate to open the hatches in the middle and at the bottom of the truck's larger dump doors. The hatches needed to be opened first, to start the grain flow and ease the pressure on the main doors. Once that was done, Flood would engage the hydraulics and tilt the bed for the dump, overloaded to about 30 tons of soybeans. Flood heard the dump start, and then the kid yelled something and waved, and he engaged the hydraulics. When the truck bed stopped rising, he leaned back in the seat and closed his eyes. If he could get just an hour... He'd take an hour when he got home, he decided. But if that incoming storm turned to bad snow, he'd leave a few tens of thousands of dollars worth of beans out in the field. He'd hired another combine in, but everybody from the Missouri line to central Minnesota was going hell for leather, and there was no reliable equipment to be had. But he'd get it in, if the weather held. If he could stay awake. Flood had almost fallen asleep when there was a sharp rap on the glass next to his face, and he jumped. What? I can't get the main door open, the kid said. The handle's stuck. Give me a hand. Flood climbed down from the truck. He wasn't a big man, but he had the hard muscles of a 40-year-old who'd spent his life doing heavy labor. He was wearing Oshkosh overalls and a hat with a front label that said John 316. He walked around the back of the truck and stepped onto the grate. Beans trickled from the larger door's open hatch. The farmer leaned in and grabbed the handle and pushed up hard, expecting resistance. There was none, and the bar slipped out of its slot and the door swung open. Beans flowed out in a wide, fast stream. Surprised, Flood hopped back a few feet to the edge of the grate and turned to where the kid had been. What the hell... The kid wasn't there. He was behind Flood, with the t-ball bat, light and fast, in his athletic hands. Flood never saw it coming. The bat cracked into the back of the farmer's head, and Flood went down like a sack of dry cement. Fuck you, Tripp said. He spat on the body. You sick fucking prick. Then the fear lanced through him, and he looked up, guilty, expecting to see somebody watching. Nobody there. He walked around to the edge of the building, peered down the highway. Nobody coming. A pigeon flew out of the rafters up above, and he jumped, stepped back, and looked down the road again. Nobody there, man. Nobody there. Don't be a pussy, Tripp said aloud to himself for the simple reassurance of his own voice. He went back to the body, watched the flow of grain coming out of the truck. Already half of it was gone. He stirred himself, said, Move, you dumbass! He bent over the older man, lifted his head, and slammed the back of it against the grate, hard as he could, as though trying to crack open a coconut, and at the same time trying to hit at the precise point where the bat had. He'd thought about this, had lain in bed and planned it out, visualized it, the way he would a pass pattern. He was right on schedule. With Flood profoundly unconscious, or maybe already dead, Tripp lifted the man and pushed him into the grain flow, 
face up, reached out, and pulled his mouth open. Soybeans were spilling from the truck like water from a pitcher, flowing around the unconscious farmer, filling his mouth, nose, ears. They gathered in his eye sockets and in his shirt pockets and in the John 316 hat. They squirted down into his overalls, slipping through the folds of his boxer shorts, hard and round, looking for a resting place in a navel or a fold of skin. Trip watched for a moment, then hurried back to the side of the elevator to make sure there were no more trucks coming, then went inside, washed the bat, stuck it under the mat in the trunk of his car. Back inside, he filled out the paperwork on Flood's visit. Five minutes passed. Had to be dead, Tripp thought. He went outside and looked at the man on the grate. His eyes were open, but there was nothing going on. Tripp leaned forward and put his hand over Flood's mouth and pinched his...